0: Welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. The Center for Investment Excellence is an audio podcast that provides educational insights across asset classes and investment themes. Today's episode is on climate technology and has been recorded for institutional and professional investors. I'm David Lebowitz, global market strategist and host of the Center for Investment Excellence. With me today is Tanya Barnes, co-managing partner of Sustainable Growth Private Equity for J.P. Morgan Private Capital. Welcome to the Center for Investment Excellence.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: My pleasure. It's good to have you here today, Tanya. Before we get going, I thought I would start by just talking a little bit about what's been going on in the world. Obviously, capital markets very much remain under pressure. Lots of questions about the risk of recession, both if and when treasury yields can't seem to figure out where they'd like to settle. And I think the reality is that the market is in the process of digesting a significant amount of information and importantly, a lot of new information and information that is multiple standard deviations away from the numbers we seen over the better part of the past couple of business cycles and so we recognize that recession risk has risen We do not believe that we were already in the midst of a recession. I find it very difficult to believe that an economy in recession is also capable of generating almost 400,000 jobs in a single month. But we do recognize that as we move closer to the end of the year, that recession risk in the United States, as well as in places like Europe, will, in fact, begin to rise. Obviously, the source of the recession is a little bit different. The big risk here in the United States is the Fed. The big risk in Europe has to do more with energy prices and specifically natural gas prices, but we're just going to continue to digest the information as it comes through the door, much like policymakers will, and make investment decisions accordingly. And so maybe shifting gears here and talking a little bit about something that was very much front and center in conversations over the past couple of years feels like it's taken a little bit of a backseat to the risk of recession and what's been going on with rates and equities, so on and so forth. But obviously, sustainable investing is still a structural opportunity when we think about what needs to be in portfolios held by long-term investors. And so I was hoping we could just start with a 20,000-foot view of things. As I mentioned, volatility, inflation, rates very much dominating the discussion today, but sustainable investing and climate change are still very much part of the conversation. And so can you talk a little bit about your framework for investing in climate change as well as the energy transition?
1: Sure. You know, I'm a private market investor. So as a private market investor, we have the benefit of being able to take a longer term view and to look at making investments that really benefit from these long term secular or structural shifts, as you mentioned. And when we look at climate change, we see it as a huge investment theme. It's really one of the biggest things impacting the economy, financial markets, business and really everyday life. Some estimates suggest that over a trillion or to $2 trillion is expected to be spent annually to combat climate change. Those capital flows translate into large market opportunities for the right companies. And so for our framework, it's really about investing in companies that really establish three key things. First, they have to be commercially driven. Second, measurable outcomes. And the third is really science-based solutions. But the lead into to your question, David, is really important. You can't ignore the backdrop, and that's why the first part of our framework is so important, that commercially-driven piece. And so we made a recent investment in a company, as an example, where consumers can save 10% on their energy bill when they connect to renewable energy sources. That 10% savings... In an inflationary environment where some parts of the country are experiencing double-digit growth in energy costs and gas costs, that makes that company's service more important today than it was a year ago. And that's showing up in that company's growth results where they're beating their budget.
0: Very interesting. Can you expand a little bit more and talk about some of the macro level opportunities? Obviously, they're the individual companies where you're spending the majority of your time thinking about what they're doing and the economics of those businesses. But if you were to segment things more from a 20,000 foot level, how do you think about the different verticals in your investment universe?
1: Yeah, so we're seeing the most significant opportunities in the parts of the market that actually have been slow or toughest to decarbonize. Those are the traditional industries, the heavy ones, like industrials, real estate, food and agriculture. Those industries contribute significantly to global greenhouse gas emissions. But more importantly, there's tremendous financial motivation to keep pace with growing corporate sustainability commitments and increasing social and regulatory pressures, right? So For example, the real estate industry, where in cities, sometimes buildings alone can account for as much as 60% of carbon emissions. We're seeing technologies that can really change the operational footprint of the entire sector.
0: Excellent. Obviously, the conversation around investing in climate change and sustainable resources and energy has been part of the investment conversation for as long as I can remember. But it feels like the opportunity set has continued to evolve. And so how do you think about the traditional ways that people have approached things like sustainable investing and link that in with some of the newer ways that people are approaching the opportunities in this asset class?
1: So we think about it really in two waves, where the first wave of sustainable or climate investing was really about building out new renewable energy supply. So when you look at wind or solar that started as science experiments really several decades ago, today they've graduated to infrastructure investment, where there's this very established technology and now it's about building out capacity. And those projects tend to generate lower returns, but really are very low risk for investors. Today, we're starting to experience the second wave of climate investing, which is about reducing demand for energy and natural resources across all these traditional industries that I talked about, and getting to the parts of the economy that are tough to decarbonize. And the other piece of it that's really interesting for us is that there's a significant amount of capital that we see that's been deployed in earlier stage climate tech companies when you think about pre-seed, seed, seed, and series A. And so now there's a much larger ecosystem of private growth companies that are looking to scale to that next level of growth.
0: So let's double-click on that and talk a little bit more about, from a climate technology standpoint, how will technology make goods and services more sustainable over time? And importantly, with growing access to things like big data, so on and so forth, how do you think about incorporating some of these alternative data sets into your investment approach?
1: Yeah, so technology and data-driven innovation really has proven to us time and time again the big capacity to transform lives, businesses, and the economy, right? You think about Amazon and what it's done to consumer purchasing behavior over the last several decades. The same is true for climate change. The stakes and opportunity size are just, frankly, larger. So it's about how data is going to change how goods and services work across the economy. So an example of this would be electric vehicles. Think about the data required to manage an electrical vehicle charging map where energy prices and regulated and unregulated utilities across the United States all have different systems. Having companies that really can harness that data and drive ecosystems of innovation is really where we see the biggest opportunities.
0: And so I wanna take this one step further, I promise it's the last time I'll press on this issue, but in the background is this idea of achieving net zero carbon emissions. We hear corporate America talk about it, we hear corporations in Europe talk about it. It's something that arguably is not only the right thing to be focusing on, but something that businesses are taking increasingly seriously, particularly over the past couple of years. And so with all of these organizations committed to reaching net zero emissions, when you think about technology in this goal, Where do you start to focus? How do you think about aligning those two things within the context of your investment strategy?
1: Corporate sustainability commitments are really interesting, right, because they're a significant leading indicator on what's happening in the market. The number of commitments has tripled in the last two years, and that's what really gives us the most conviction around this theme. And so for us, it's really about going back to that three-part framework I mentioned where focusing on the companies that have commercially driven solutions, measurable outcomes, and that they're science-based really is the secret sauce of bringing it all together. And the good news is there's a lot of companies out there that are not only committing to the R&D required, but they're actually looking for opportunities in the market. And there's a lot of private companies that are responding to that demand.
0: Excellent. This has been great. One final question to just kind of top things off here. We hear a lot about the growth in sustainable energy and the growth in ESG. And then you hear terms like greenwashing get thrown around. This is arguably one of the more tenuous debates within the capital markets today. And so when you think about an area that's experiencing the type of growth that your investment universe is experiencing and you go through and you're reviewing all of these different technologies, the solutions, the companies themselves, what are some things that you think are important to keep in mind, not only when it comes to identifying successful and interesting opportunities, but also avoiding some of those pitfalls, which come hand in hand with an industry that's experiencing this type of growth?
1: Yeah, it's really about keeping the most traditional sets of underwriting opportunities with also the macro backdrop at the heart of what we do. And again, this three-part framework I mentioned is really critical for us. So companies that really have a commercially driven solution where companies can either save money or generate ROI with their solutions is important for adoption. But it's also connected to the idea that those measurable outcomes for the climate are real. They're science-based. And they can actually have a big impact that really drives it together.
0: Well, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll have to have you back soon to continue our dialogue. But thanks again for joining us today.
1: Wonderful. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you for joining us today on J.P. Morgan Center for Investment Excellence. If you found our insights useful, you can find more episodes anywhere you listen to podcasts and on our website. Thank you. Recorded on July 15th, 2022.
2: not for retail distribution. This communication has been prepared exclusively for institutional wholesale professional clients and qualified investors only as defined by local laws and regulations. The views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any investment in any jurisdiction, nor is it a commitment from J.P. Morgan Asset Management or any of its subsidiaries to participate in any of the transactions mentioned herein. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, or investment techniques and strategies set out are for informational purposes only, based on certain assumptions and current market conditions, and are subject to change without prior notice. All information presented herein is considered to be accurate at the time of production. This material does not contain sufficient information to support an investment decision, and it should not be relied upon by you in evaluating the merits of investing in any securities or products. In addition, users should make an independent assessment of the legal, regulatory, tax, credit, and accounting implications and determine, together with their own financial professional, if any investment mentioned herein is believed to be appropriate to their personal goals. Investors should ensure that they obtain all available relevant information before making any investment, It should be noted that investment involves risks, the value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate in accordance with market conditions and taxation agreements, and investors may not get back the full amount invested. Both past performance and yields are not reliable indicators of current and future results. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. To the extent permitted by applicable law, we may record telephone calls and monitor electronic communications to comply with our legal and regulatory obligations and internal policies. Personal data will be collected, stored, and processed by JPMorgan Asset Management in accordance with our privacy policies at https://am.jpmorgan.com/global/privacy. This communication is issued by the following entities. In the United States by J.P. Morgan Investment Management Incorporated or J.P. Morgan Alternative Asset Management Incorporated, both regulated by the Securities and Exchange Commission in Latin America for intended recipients use only by local J.P. Morgan entities, as the case may be. In Canada, for institutional clients' use only by J.P. Morgan Asset Management Canada, Incorporated, which is a registered portfolio manager and exempt market dealer in all Canadian provinces and territories except the Yukon, and is also registered as an investment fund manager in British Columbia, Ontario, Quebec, and Newfoundland and Labrador. In the United Kingdom, by J.P. Morgan Asset Management UK Limited, which is authorized and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority, in other European jurisdictions, by JP Morgan Asset Management Europe, SARL, in Asia Pacific, APAC, by the following issuing entities and in the respective jurisdictions in which they are primarily regulated JP Morgan Asset Management Asia Pacific Limited, or JP Morgan Funds Asia Limited, or JP Morgan Asset Management Real Assets Asia Limited, each of which is regulated by the Securities and Futures Commission of Hong Kong. JP Morgan Asset Management Singapore Limited, company registration number 197601586K. This advertisement or publication has not been reviewed by the Monetary Authority of Singapore. JP Morgan Asset Management Taiwan Limited, JP Morgan Asset Management Japan Limited, which is a member of the Investment Trust Association Japan, the Japan Investment Advisors Association, Type 2 Financial Instruments Firms Association and the Japan Securities Dealers Association and is regulated by the Financial Services Agency, registration number Kanto Local Finance Bureau, Financial Instruments Firm number 330. In Australia, to wholesale clients only as defined in section 761A and 761G of the Corporations Act 2001 Commonwealth by JPMorgan Asset Management Australia Limited ABN 5514-383-2080. AFSL 376-919. For all other markets in APAC, to intended recipients only. For U.S. only, if you are a person with a disability and need additional support in viewing the material, please call us at 1-800-343-1113 for assistance. Copyright 2021, JPMorgan Chase and Company, all rights reserved.